week's episode, we speak about ancient Norse squirrels, rip on Rob Liefeld, and bitch about Batman. It's all happening now on Cover B. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cover B. Welcome back for more ear-bashing mayhem. That was welcoming and inviting, right? Yeah, I don't know if I'm very mayhemic. Get ready to have your cranium rocked by some more cover B. I'm not that metal. I I mean, I'm kind of like an alt-folk type of person. (laughs) Like. Yeah, I'm like a vintage um, Bollywood type of person. You would be. (laughs) Uh, what can I say? The music speaks to me. I don't know what it's saying, but it's speaking. Um, <laughs> it's anyway, speaking a lot. <laughs> let's chat about some these little so weird thing. I was in this store the other day, right? Okay. And they had this whole wall, and what? it had a bunch of like small posters on it, and I was Interesting. like, "What?" And then you'll never like you know. I walked up right to one of the posters. Yeah. Right. I grabbed one of the posters. Yeah. Okay. Pulled it off. I was like, yeah. "Hey, this is a nice poster. Well, this is kind of thick, right?" Flip the thing open, freaking comic book. What? Right? That's what they told me it was. Wait, it was those... called a comic book. It's like a book, but and not like a wait, stand-up so you mean comic. Like, wait, do you mean comic like like the little strips in the newspaper? Yeah, but like a whole book. Yeah. Why do you need a whole book of them? They I give don't you know. free ones on the weekend. They're everywhere, though. Like That's apparently, ridiculous. you know, you know, uh, Captain America and the Avengers. Yeah. You know that movie. Yeah. And uh, you know Tony Stark, the Man of Iron. Like that movie? Yeah. Oh, know? and there's the guy with the hammer. No, shovel. Yeah. Shovel? Yeah, the you shovel? know, the, yeah, the, uh, incredible. Thok? Yeah, something like that. Thon? Uh, yeah. I don't remember. Dawn? The Incredible Dawn? Yeah, that uh, sounds right. Yeah, and, you know, those movies. Yeah? And, uh, those are from the comic books. Nuh-uh. Yeah, They're they from the movies. S- no, they started in the comic books. No, but they started from movies. Yeah. I saw the movies, though. Yeah, but I know. But they were in the comic books beforehand. Are you sure it was before? Yeah, it was uh, since, like, the 90s or something. Weren't the movies from the 90s? This was Spider-Man Forever. No, but I think it's, like, the 1890s. Oh. Yeah, they've been around for a long time. Oh. Like, before there was, like, running toilets, right? Yeah, before there were talkies. Oh, that's crazy. You know? And before, you know, Big Don opened his deli. Down on 13th. Oh, that was a long yeah. time ago. Yeah, it was... I don't even remember that. I was a little one. So... Given my age. So let's talk some comics. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know what just happened. Um, <laughs> that was a thing that just happened. You uh, were really tired and that just yeah, occurred and you just go with it. It's been a hell of a week. We're, we're traveling at the end of the week, which... Go ahead and preface, we're not going to have a third segment. That was your third segment. Yeah, that was your third segment, <laughs> that, that little sketch. Because um, <clears throat> we just, we don't have time to come up with and do and edit a third segment. We just, we got to get this We recording. have limited. We sat down and we were like, we got to get this done quickly. And then we did like a 45 minute bit about two slowly changing into Jersey people. Um, the bit evolves, about, man. It's part of the process. Anyway, so... Uh, I was really stoked for this book, and it's out now. Uh, it's That's called exciting. Silver Surfer Black Number One, um, from Marvel. Uh, written by Donny Cates, 
with art by my boy Tradmore. Tradmore is one of my favorite artists. I love him. You love some Tradmore. Love Tradmore so much. Uh, Shout Luther, out Trad. Luther Strode stuff was great. His run on Ghost Rider was great. Like I love when Tradmore sits down and does stuff. He did um, oh, what's it called? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna totally f this up and come off as such a poser. He did an image book recently. I'll I'll look it up so I'm not being a douche. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Cover your bases, man. Yeah, I, I'm really effed it up. Anyway, um, so this takes place kind of in conjunct with the New World, is what his image uh, book, recent yeah, okay. image book, was called. Anyway. I, I wanted to say New State because it's very, like, grounded in, like, American stuff, but it's called The New World. Um, anyway, so this book was gorgeous. So it takes place in conjunct with Donny Cates' Guardians run. Okay. Um, and essentially one of the early issues of that, I think maybe even the first issue, features a bunch of the galactic people all convened to read or to hear uh, Thanos, his last will and testament. Okay. Um, Because he got his head lopped off by Gamora. And they're all gathered, and the Black Order busts in, steals Thanos' body. Rude. And then, like, sets off a black hole. Like, some sort of, like, fudge science weapon that, like, causes a black hole. Rude. And so they all get sucked in. Like, five of them make it out, thanks to Beta Ray Bill chucking his hammer and... I love Beta Ray Bill. Uh, cosmic ghost rider attaching its chains to it so like a few of them make it out they end up joining up with the guardians except for cosmic ghost rider who joins up with bad guys because hey um because <laughs> hey why not uh this the spirit of vengeance who punishes people for his sins you know gonna tie up with a bunch of murderers whatever um anyway um it's about control it is what it is uh and i mean it's all in the like with the mission of punishing Gamora, so I guess it makes sense. Uh, meanwhile, a bunch of other cosmic people kind of pop up later, especially thanks to the Guardians of the Galaxy annual that came out recently. Uh, but we don't really know what happens to them. Well, this clarifies. Silver Surfer okay. basically being one of the most powerful things ever. Um, you know, he's more powerful than a fart during the SATs, just saying. Um <laughs> And he, so he rescues everybody and like tears a hole in this, you know, thing and gets everybody out okay. and they get sucked to the end oh. of, uh, the thingy. And, um, that's where we pick up. We pick up with him in this strange world. He's kind of acclimating and using his powers and figuring out how this world like, you know, affects him. Um, and spoiler alert i'll go ahead and spoil it because it's it's part of the part of the dynamic um he the book ends with him finding out that noel is sitting there waiting for him the donny cates's gift to the world the god of the symbiotes is waiting for him so it's this weird it's this cool thing that i really hope happens where if marvel would just be willing to take editorial reins off of off of d-man you know, and let Donnie go and do his thing and come up with his ideas because he's got these great concepts. And I think it could be so cool. And he could do so much damage to the Marvel Universe. But it's damage that, like, they're scared of. It's damage that needs to be done. Marvel's so scared of anything, like, happening 
that they're you know very restrictive on their story arcs well, and stuff. Well, it's because but... you kill the one wrong person and the internet implodes on it. Yeah, so now they have, you know, this symbiote god that was introduced in Kate's uh, Venom run is now connected to, like, cosmic stuff, which makes sense because in the Venom run we find out he's hanging out in Clintar, which is essentially just, like, a symbiote mass in space. Yeah. And he's, like, trapped in the center of it. Um... And yeah, so it's it's cool to see, and I really would love for there to be this, like, Donny Cates verse within the Marvel Universe. That would be neat. Uh, but it's a great book. Um, I'm excited to see where he goes with it. I hope, again, that maybe Marvel has let the reins off a little bit and is like, hey, er, like, here you go, you know. And uh, maybe Donny can do some cool stuff with this book, and then he's got Absolute Carnage coming up, so... That could be really cool. So we'll see how much he's allowed to do. It's a good book. It's how beautiful. far he can push it. Like when I found out Tradmore was on it, and I found out it was about Silver Silver Surfer getting sucked into a black hole. The concept of like the reality warping stuff and Tradmore doing that <laughs> stuff blew. Like I was so excited, and the end result just blew me away. Like it's so good. That's like, really. He cool. does all these swirls. Like if you've never seen Tradmore's art, he does like all these swirls and all these different lines. There's freaking lines everywhere, <laughs> and you know the colorist did an amazing job, and it's it's just so sweet. It's such a good book. You awesome. need to you need to pick up that book. Awesome. I am going to also talk about another Marvel book that I don't think is getting enough love right now. Because mm-hmm. it's excellent. So you have all these War of the Realms books going on right now. You've got all these side pieces of the War of the Realms. And then Tralala, tootin' along, also part of War of the Realms, is Squirrel Girl. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, right now Squirrel Girl is on a mission given to her by Loki. Nice. Like right before he got... He sacrificed himself. Or yoinked in New York. Yeah. He told her... Go to Canada. So Squirrel Girl went to Canada. And the current story arc taking place is Squirrel Girl hanging out with Ratatasker, which is the giant squirrel of the life tree, which is like a little mm-hmm. god of chaos, like a mini Loki rolling around who just likes to be kind of a douche. And Squirrel Girl, in all her infinite Squirrel Girl wisdom, has managed to essentially tame and make into a better person this ancient Norse (laughs) being. Mm -hmm. And it is the best. It is literally in the middle of all of this mayhem and bullshit, this glimmering, shiny, buddy comedy (laughs) thing where they're hanging out trying to take down some frost giants. That's awesome. And it's like Squirrel Girl's the straight man and Ratatasker's kind of the goofy douche. Like, it's essentially a David Spade, Chris Farley movie with mm-hmm. squirrels. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, so, fun story. I read, like, the first bit of Squirrel Girl and then I kind of fell off as it kept going. But I was there. I was reading it when Ratatasker, like, first came in. Yeah, man. And I was like, okay, you know, they had Squirrel Girl kind of interacting with Thor, who I think was Lady Thor. Jane Foster at that point um and I was like okay they just wanted to have like some sort of like squirrel themed Norse thing flash forward to literally like a couple weeks ago 
I am going through Neil Gaiman's Norse mythology because I've never really, I know the stories from like games of like God of War and like the Thor books and stuff like that, but I've never actually like heard or Delved seen deep. the stories. Um, so I was like, Neil Gaiman, tell me about Norse mythology. And freaking Ratatasker is a real <laughs> thing. So flashback, it's Ryan North writing. Yeah, it is. Like, the fact that Ryan North got <laughs> signed on for, you know, Squirrel Girl. And here I am thinking, you know, he wanted to have her with Thor. So he made up this Ratatasker thing just so that there was a squirrel themed thing. But it, in actuality, is that he... At some point in his life, maybe before he got on with Squirrel Girl, maybe after, figured out that there is an actual giant squirrel that causes chaos in the life tree. It takes messages from this, uh, the Midgard serpent to an eagle that lives in the tree, and it tells the messages wrong, so they both get pissed at each other. <laughs> and that's what it does all day. It has no point other than that. It doesn't do shit during Ragnarok or anything like that. And, you know, it just messes with people and he knew about that creature and then was like okay i guess i better work thor into this story thor is the add-on in that squirrel yeah, girl dude. story not ratatasker and that's amazing my favorite part about the squirrel girl run we're an issue it's technically 45 like that's the number on the book but there was a bit of a reset so we're yeah. actually in the 50s and yeah like 42 was technically issue 50 right, right yeah. exactly so the best thing about these books is that ryan north is super freaking smart and like he just incorporates little nuggets of learning into the book in funny goobery ways mm -hmm. like he he knows a ridiculous amount about computer science and he teaches us computer science theories during the book and he knows a lot about, like, nihilism and, like, Nietzsche and, like, all of this random stuff. And he just, like, incorporates it into the book. And Squirrel Girl knows stuff. And, like, the people around her know stuff. And they set, they're set they set in college. So there's actual, like, theories being discussed that mm -hmm. are then relevant. And it's all told in this kitschy, fun, hu <laughs> like, humorous, adorable way. It's, it's insane what he knows and how he's able to articulate it. And he also is constantly making fun of Chip Zdarsky in the book. Like, <laughs> nice. he once again referenced Chip Zdarsky in this book, to, like, this past episode or issue, because he was talking about how his dad bought a boat, and he was trying to, like, to convince his dad to name the boat after, like, the Titanic, and Chip wanted to name it after, like, Jurassic Park or something, and the dad didn't go with either, and they were both very mad. And there's just a side story that was in the bottom of the book. Oh, that's just funny. Just because that's what they do. That's hilarious. Anyway, read Squirrel Girl. Be nice to yourself. Do it. <laughs> just do it. Uh, next up on my list is Event Leviathan number one. So this is the beginning of uh, BMB, Brian Michael Bendis, doing his big DC event thang. Six thang. issue mini. This is the number one. I am really excited. Uh, like I said, when I talked about the Superman Leviathan special right. or whatever, um, I hadn't really been reading Superman, which is where I think Leviathan had been happening a lot up until this point, um, which is funny because it really seems like Event Leviathan is going to be primarily a Batman thing. 
So, hmm, maybe Rob Liefeld was right. I don't know. Um, we'll <laughs> more on that later. Um, <clears throat> but I, uh, you know, I'm very excited about it. I like what I've seen about Leviathan, the character, and kind of his angle at going things and how he does things with no ego. He's doing it for a purpose and stuff. I think that makes him a very intriguing antagonist. Can't even really call him a villain. Um, or her. I guess I should be I should be using general pronouns. Can't call them a villain. Uh, but this first book, I have not admittedly read much Brian Michael Bendis. I honestly have not. I haven't read any of his Jinx World stuff, any of his Wonder Comics stuff that he's working on. It's because I've read enough for I, both of us. <laughs> I have read, I believe, the first volume of Alias, but it was a long time ago. You read um, uh, oh, House of M? I read the House of him. M, yeah. I read a smattering of his like Ultimate stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, I read all the Ultimate stuff, so anything he touched there, I read. And, um, but... This was such a slow issue. And it's it's worth picking up because it's still conceptually interesting and it throws a lot of players in. And it, again, haven't been reading Superman, but Lois is a freaking bad bitch. It opens this with is true. like the cover and it, it kind of does her a disservice because the cover of the, like the A cover ha- says like the world's greatest detectives join forces or something like that. And it's got Batman, it's got Green Arrow, and it's got the question, right? Okay. Well, it opens with Lois and Batman because Lois should count. She's one of the world's greatest reporters. That kind of qualifies her as like one of the world's greatest detectives. That's you know a really I mean? good point. Her dad was a freaking super spy. Like she knows what the hell she's doing. She knows what's up. And she's going to be a prominent player in figuring out who Leviathan is. I love that. She even tells Batman to assemble the world's greatest detectives and meet her back at bleh, you know, and... Like, that's badass. She's a freaking badass. She's awesome. And so, you know, it's got a cool cast of characters, but literally, like, the first, I swear, ten pages of this book is every other panel someone asking either just in general, like, just to the ether, or someone else, who's Leviathan? (laughs) It comes up so many, it's, the dialogue is all really weird, because they're, like, being very mysterious and, like, untrustworthy of each other, even though, like, I mean, they work together in very intimate scenarios so it's kind of bizarre that once again it's another time where characters are like i don't trust batman and i'm like what did batman do to you like last i realized like i don't know how much interaction they've had since then but there was like a really sweet issue of batman where like superman and batman and lois and catwoman all go to the fair together you know and now you're like i don't trust you batman and you might be leviathan and it's like, I get it that Leviathan's mysterious and you got to figure out, like, who you What's trust going on? and stuff. But, like, it was just weird. Yeah. But it was it was, it was yeah. literally, like, I swear, I, I should have counted and had, like, a count. But at some point, every, like, one to three, fra- like, panels, somebody proposes the question of who is Leviathan. So it's like, we get it. Yeah. They don't know who Leviathan is. Move on. But it's still, it was still a fun issue. There was some fun interactions. Um, you know, it's Leviathan's doing some really messed up stuff. You know, Clark's off planet because I guess he's hanging out with Supergirl at this point in time. Yes, and, I have more on that in a minute. Yeah, and so, I don't know. Um, 
I don't I don't fully know how I felt about the first issue because I again am very eager about this event because um, I really like like I I like story I like mystery stories um and I like stories that are very grounded in like giving you the clues without like giving you everything right you know and Bendis has done his fair share of like noir type things so I think he could do really good at that but I just that first like the first like 10 pages it was like they were just investigating a crime scene and I swear it took them like six pages longer than it should have you know that's kind so. of a bendacy thing to do though he does that in like cover and he yeah. does that in pearl a lot and you're like i don't totally know what you're trying to get at here speaking of bendis and superman so as you were saying superman is off planet well that's because he's currently hanging out with all of the rest of the remaining l's yeah the Kryptonian up people. in space because they're all fighting rogels are because Bendis has single-handedly rewritten the history of Krypton. Oh boy. That's that's fun. Yeah. Rogozar destroyed Krypton and then a group of essentially politicians covered it up. <laughs> and claimed nice. that it was like an environmental disaster. Yeah. It's all lies. It's fake news. Yeah. There's no Rogozar. Oh no, Rogelzar's there, and we have proof now, and Supergirl just went up into space all pissed off and, like, throwing bows because of that. It's, I, I don't know, man. Rogelzar was invented by the loony left. Yeah. And now Supergirl and, um, Superboy are now going off again, even though Superboy literally just got back. I thought Clark was going to have an aneurysm. And so now they're gone again, and now Clark's mm -hmm. hanging out with his dad, and it's just, it's like, how are you just going to keep rewriting mm -hmm. stuff, Bendis? That's what you do, man. Like, you just look at stuff, and you're like, I don't like it. Erase, 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 erase. <laughs> no, you can't have this. He just has big erasers. I'm really worried that's what Jonathan Hickman's going to do. I think <laughs> that's exactly what Jonathan Hickman's I'm going so to do. I'm so worried that that's all we're going to get is a bunch of, like, retcon shit anyway. That'll be a different story for a different day when I read those things and I either have a podcast where I'm like, I ain't talking about shit else. Or I have a podcast where I'm like, can I talk about anything else? <laughs> so keep an eye out for that. Uh, the last book I wanted to cover is a new image book. And I honestly, I almost passed on this one because it just aesthetically didn't really like, the cover didn't really like grab me. Like the covers are cool, but... It felt very um, kind of like Mobius stuff, um, where it was very like, you can't really call it fantasy, but it's a little bit fantastic, I guess, but kind of like wild sci-fi, I guess I'll call it. Interesting. You know, like it's sci-fi, but it's got some like grime to it. It's got people like riding giant animals and stuff like that. Cool. Like it felt very like heavy metal without the nudity, I guess. Um, Interesting. It was, it was... So, you know, I kind of, like, looked at it, and I was like, eh, it's called Sonata. Okay. Um, it's written by David Hine with art by Brian Haberlin. I think Brian Haberlin uh, helped with the uh, with the writing as well. Um, David Hine did a lot of Witchblade stuff and Darkness stuff. Uh, Brian Haberlin did the Faster Than Light series, and I think he also did the art in Spawn, Witchblade, that crossover. Um, the book was great. 
Oh. I love it. That's cool. I, this might be one of my, like, continuing faves. Like, one of the Yay. ones that I get, like, super excited about. It was just fun. It had, like, a very, like, palatable premise. You know, like, you got it. And th- there were certain connections you could make to things, like, in the world around us. But it wasn't so, like, politically charged and, like, ham-fisted. Like, make, you're supposed to hate these people because they're politicians and, like, stuff like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it wasn't so, like, in-your-face about shit like that. Like, sometimes the image books could be. Yeah. Um, but it was just good. Like, the character was fun. The art is stellar. Like, the art is fantastic. Oh, that's good. Um, and it's, it's, again, and I say this all the time, but it's one of those, like, here's a weird world that's different than your own. Get ready to learn about it as we go along. And it's not very That's like, awesome. you know, here's, let me break down how this world works. Welcome to, it has a little bit of that, but not like so much. But some, uh, Sonata, number one, out on the shelves. It's definitely worth picking up. Um, it's it's a cool book. It's it's very, very cool. It's just fun. Aww, it was just kind of like, it didn't do too much, but it didn't do too little. I love it I, when new books are worth it. Yeah. That's so exciting. Speaking of new books, my last book is also a new book. Um, it's from Archie Comics. It is Jughead Time Police. <laughs> I didn't know what I was getting into because I couldn't totally tell from the cover if it was a la, like, the horror Archie stuff. If they were going to do, like, a new sci-fi type thing. Mm-hmm. But then after getting into it, and literally within the first page, I was like, oh, this is more in the, like feel and caricature of the Jughead from Chip Darsky. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. Um, it's written by Cena Grace and art by Derek Charm. It is adorable. It is lighthearted and silly and cute and funny and just kind of ridiculous, but like in that lovable Archie way. And then it ends and it's a total sci-fi book. <laughs> and it's great and i'm really excited it's so you don't get to see sci-fi in such a like cutesy let's link arms and tra la la through time like you don't get that and this looks really fun and at the very end they introduce a character that i am 100 gonna be cosplaying so oh, nice. yeah. yeah it looks she's a time cop and she looks badass and she's a redhead and i'm all over it <laughs> Fun, right on. so that's really cool so yeah jughead time police it's gonna be a good successor i think to chips jughead i'm pretty excited so check that out cool and now your cover bee news with your host chris and t off the news today let's talk about robert kirkman's oblivion song Uh, oblivion song is a recent book by robert kirkman who you may know as the kind of fairly known title called the walking dead and his more popular irredeemable ant-man run i mean they're really niche yeah you may not know it's okay they have this like low budget show that films in some small city um totally kidding <laughs> but he did this book with a kind of up-and-coming artist um called named called called they call him <laughs> the artist formerly known as lorenzo de felici um 
It got picked up by Universal oh. for a movie, it seems. Nice. No director attached. Sean O'Keefe is going to be writing the script. He is also up and coming, I believe. He's got an upcoming film called Wonderland that is going to be his feature debut. Um, he's also supposed to be attached to the Green Hornet reboot, should that ever come about i guess um i don't know i haven't heard much about a green hornet reboot no i haven't heard since about reading the article i was reading today that was the first i heard about it but huh. um i actually didn't read oblivion song but it's got a cool sci-fi nice. kind of pull to it um if i'm not mistaken it's about like either all of a city or a chunk of a city getting like transported to an alien planet randomly like oh. just, and is like plopped onto an alien planet um and what goes on in that like urban hellscape so that sounds awesome yeah here we go here's the synopsis olivian uh, olivian song <laughs> <laughs> cannot talk today <laughs> olivia benson um <laughs> Oblivion Song takes place a decade after 300,000 citizens of Philadelphia were suddenly lost in oblivion. The government has made every attempt to recover them, but after many years, they gave up, uh, give up. But Nathan Cole won't. Cole makes daily trips, risking his life to try and rescue those lost, alone, and afraid, living in the apocalyptic hellscape of oblivion. But maybe he is actually looking for something else. Why can't he resist the siren, uh, siren call of the Oblivion Song? So... Yeah, so it's a cool sci-fi title Neat. where, like, a chunk of the city is somehow in, like, somehow consumed by this place called Oblivion. And there's weird creatures and weird monsters and hellscapes and science and fudge science and... My favorite uh, kind of science. Sugar-free fudge science and... Uh, the science I settle for. Fudge ripple science. And, that sounds delicious. Uh, I'm hungry. Milk chocolate science. And, it, and, you know, it'll be good stuff. So... In more movie news, um, so I don't know how I feel about this. Um, we, I think we had mentioned, maybe we hadn't, maybe you're just hearing it now. That's cool, too. Quentin Tarantino mm -hmm. is making a Star Trek movie. Yep. And while I don't think anyone's surprised by this fact, I still don't know how I feel about it. He has officially come out and said his Star Trek is going to be rated R. Yep. Which, like, it's a Tarantino film, so, like, duh. But at the same time, like, it's a Star Trek film. Yeah, it's it's tough. It feels to, yeah. weird. Like be tough. Like, I don't I don't know. I don't want the captain, whoever he may be, to be dropping F bombs all over the place. Like it just doesn't it feels weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like it's it's one of those franchises that you know, has never really, like, perpetuated a lot of gore and swearing. It's always so. been relatively wholesome. Like, it's always been one of those reliably wholesome. And, yeah. like, I get it. You could totally make it dark and twisted and jacked up, which is super fun. But, like, that doesn't seem like Star Trek. Like, if you're going to do that, just make a new Star Trek Troopers. Yeah, I mean, you know that's what I mean? actually, that's a really good point. Yeah. Like, it's already there. Just do Starship Troopers, and I'll tell you what. I bet you anything Casper Van Dien has plenty of time on his hands if you want to call him. <laughs> he is I'm, available. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he's free. But yeah, so I don't know. Like, And I haven't heard a whole lot about it. That's my fault. But I haven't heard a whole lot about whether he's doing like a reboot of Kirk 
is he doing a new captain? I, I think it's probably going to be new stuff. And, you know, it might not even be, like, set in the, like, Starfleet. You know what I mean? Like, it could just be, like, you know, random star-type people. Hell, it can make it about Klingons. Are we about to get more depth in the Star Trek universe than we're going to get in the Star Wars universe? Because yeah, I'm about to be real pissed off about that. But I mean, I think a, I think a Tarantino thing could work. Like, his dialogue is essentially made for Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> Say knuck again. <laughs> I dare you. I double dog dare you. Say knuck again. Got phasers on Nuck. Chris, did you Google the Klingon word for what while you were having this conversation? Yes, Your Honor. <laughs> dun 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 dun. Olivia <laughs> Vincent. <clears throat> um. So I was like, "Do I make this joke?" <laughs> Say Nuck again. Um. Oh Lord. Guys, oh my god. So Rob Liefeld went full on Charlie Sheen over Crazy the past couple days. Crazy wackadiddle bananas. So I get, you know, like, I have talked trash about La- Rob Liefeld. I admit it. You yeah. know, I admit it. But to his merit, he's a comic creator. He's given a lot to the industry. He's been a voice of the industry and an active advocate of the industry yeah he's very friendly to his fans he likes to meet his fans which is I've great talk to people who are his fans who have met him that's cool and he's cool props and he to seems them. like overall though a very outspoken dude a very cool dude nice well then i think yesterday maybe two days ago no i think it was yesterday he got on twitter and just exploded and <laughs> opened up with a thing being like DC's driving off a cliff, man, I swear. Good thing they still... Or, like, nobody at DC has any idea what they're doing. Good thing they still have Batman as their aspirin, Tylenol, laughing gas, whatever. Like, paraphrasing for the most part, but those are pretty much exactly his tweets. And then he started getting hammered by everybody. And, like, comic creators came out and would be like, I don't know what you're talking about, Rob. Like, I think DC's got a great lineup. A great like group of artists and writers and some great stories going on and rob would respond with like oh no you're looking at your 90s wizard catalog i get that i make that mistake too and like stuff like that oh super shade delicious you know and people would be like rob's just mad because dc won't work with them and he just did some like really uggo superman covers <laughs> and so he <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a news story about how people are talking shit to Rob Liefeld. And then talk shit about Rob (laughs) Liefeld. Um, So you know that whole thing about how journalism is supposed to be, like, unbiased? (laughs) It doesn't apply to podcasts. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm not a journalist. I'm barely a podcaster. Um, Hey, we do it every week. It's consistent enough. Yeah, it's... Poor, poor Rob Liefeld or Greg Land ever listen to this. I'm going to get some angry Instagram posts now because Rob Liefeld has quit Twitter. <laughs> Did you like that roundabout? How I brought it back in? Meow. 
Um, yeah, so he, at the end of the whole thing, officially quit Twitter to stick to Instagram. And then it was silent. For, like, four hours. And then he <laughs> posted, because people brought it up, like, multiple times in his Twitter thing. And even though he, like, was being real cutesy about the trolls and posting pictures of, like, troll spray and stuff. Being so cool. It obviously stuck. Um, so, hey, internet trolls. Keep doing what you're doing because it apparently works. Um, ah. <laughs> if the guy's ever been in a Levi's ad, then he's a target. Um, <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. Uh, Rob Liefeld, Levi's. I think Seriously? Le- yeah, I think it was Levi's. He did a Levi's ad like way back when, and in it he like, in it he talks about how like yeah you know I'm just a very driven person like I never went to a day of art school, and people are like, it shows. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, it would be like having somebody make like really effed up looking donuts and be like, "Yeah, I never went to culinary school. Buy my jeans." Uh, <laughs> 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 Sir, I think those are biscuits. No, they're donuts, man. <laughs> Who's the donut maker? Me or you? Neither of us. Buy my jeans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what's happening anymore. What was in that water? Anyway, uh, oh, we're spiraling. So he posts a picture of New Mutants 98, first Deadpool, Deadpool, and a random Deathstroke cover. Okay. And goes off on how, like, am I, are you seeing double? Neither am I. Blur de blur, they're not the same characters at all. And talks about how, like, you know, it, Deadpool was a placeholder because they weren't able to have Spider-Man in the book. And he, like, matched certain criteria that was given to him. And he was ultimately just easy to draw and blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, no art school. Um, Meanwhile, like, in interviews a long time ago, like, we've heard, this has come up before, where Rob Liefeld, like, claims that he hadn't even heard, like, I haven't even heard of the Deathstroke Deadpool comparison until like 10 years after Deadpool had come out and like all that this shit, such which apparently is bullcrap because, uh, the co-creator of Deadpool, uh, has revealed that like the day Rob sent in like the designs, he got it back and got a phone call that was like, that's just Deathstroke, um, from, <laughs> from like the editorial group or somebody. So, you know, unprovoked, like, Hey guys, look at how much my Deadpool isn't the same as Deathstroke. So it's kind of it's kind of a fun thought to think that Rob Liefeld went like he quit Twitter and he lay down in bed that night and he just tossed and turned of dreams of Slade Wilson being like, "Why, Rob? <laughs> Why would you steal my image?" <laughs> the ghost of Slade Marley jingled his way into Rob's room. And was like, you're going to be visited by three ghosts. They will have PVC pipe guns and flipper feet. <laughs> and then ran away. Um, and the future ghost was just Major X, right? Yeah, it was just Major X. It was <laughs> Bad Judge Dread cosplay. It was a whole convention of Bad Judge Dread cosplay. Oh my god. He was like, tell me, spirit, whose name is on that booth? <laughs> anyway. Oh my god. Um, and then he proceeded to also... Like, start bashing the shit out of DC. Oh, my God. Saying that Jim Lee called him. Um, uh-huh. 
uh, and this was on Facebook. Jim oh Lee God, called him dude. to get like some of his extreme characters to DC, and then he just proceeds to kind of like talk down about DC and being like, I don't know if I want to do that, and you know why what is wrong with him <laughs> i don't know he so he who full peed on, in his cheerios yesterday full on exploded um and it just i don't know i don't know what happened to him i don't know like who at dc like told him something rude and he was like ah and just like freaked out but yeah rob liefeld like pretty soon he's gonna be tweeting like hashtag winning and talking about his next comic tiger's blood so is he gonna like jump on a couch for oprah or something like he's this is getting extreme yeah it's it's getting nuts uh yeah so keep uh, on the lookout like google all the crazy shit rob liefeld has said over the years because he's got some like he speaks his mind and you know that's a good quality to have especially as like a creator to not be like burdened by the chains of like contractual stuff i mean you run the risk obviously of never being allowed to work again but it's cool to see creators that are willing to call out production companies right i think that's important but at the same time those creators need to be willing to do it in a way where they're like hey, DC's not doing so good, and here's my proof. And not just be like, this company's driving a truck off a cliff, man, uh. and, like, move on, because it's then you just kind of sound like a dick. <laughs> so, um, Rob, keep doing what you're doing. Keep drawing feet weird. Keep having templates for faces. Keep being cool with that. You know what I mean? Like, if that's how your art is, that's how your art is, dog. And you just, do you. Just chill, man. Um, you know, and we'll keep giving you shit about it probably but, <laughs> but hey you know you're not gonna listen to this anyway so so in the realm of maybe rob's right uh i'm gonna pout for just like a minute mm-hmm. because uh they recently came out and that said that something which we discussed last week as having been canceled pierce pierce uh pour one out yeah pour one out thing. for swamp thing was supposed to have three seasons and lead into Justice League Dark. Yep. So, don't mind me. Maybe Rob's not wrong. Because creating a whole station and streaming service. And then deciding, huh, never mind. <laughs> and then kicking it all off a freaking cliff. Well, maybe Rob's on something. <laughs> maybe he knows what he Maybe. I mean, he doesn't, but he could. (laughs) Speaking of, Rob might also be right. (laughs) So the big buzz, and I don't know how much truth there is, because sometimes I see articles that are like, it's rumored that, and sometimes it's like, these are going to be in this movie. So the Batman is happening, the Matt Reeves directed batman movie with robert pattinson I was gonna say, batman. Say, say who's um, batman and i believe vanessa hudgens is supposed to be Catwoman. shut up what i've seen that a bunch of places that might what? have just been a rumor is this gonna be high school musical the batman uh i don't know i i oh god this is i don't know how to deal so with this according to what a few people have claimed is like an early production document uh, here are the villains <laughs> that are going to be in this oh, movie. Oh, no. Uh, it's looking like 
this was one of the earliest like rumors and tidbits we knew about this movie was that it was probably going to have Penguin and Catwoman in it, right? Okay. Later on, it looked as though Riddler and Two-Face were also going to be in it. That is excessive. Uh, and now it's looking like Firefly and also the Mad Hatter are going to be in this movie. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> let's take let's take a steppy step back. Oh my so god. So, if they want so this thing's supposed to be a trilogy, right? Oh no. So, it would make sense oh god to start introducing these characters even if not as villains initially. You know what I mean? You could have Jervis the Mad Hatter pop up as some like weird tech guy in the background or something. And then eventually he becomes a Mad Hatter, and that's a later movie. So if they handle it like that, maybe, you know, uh, maybe like Firefly will be the main villain, and Penguin like Cobblepot will just be some random because like you know as long as they don't do the weird like Danny DeVito Penguin, which was great, but also like weird. really extreme. If they make the Penguin just like a mob boss in the background, he can literally be in this movie for like fifteen minutes. It's not going to take a long time for us to understand who the Penguin is yeah. if they make him that character, which he tends to be interpreted as a lot right. nowadays. You know, if they want to go back to the gaudy, like, rolling around in robotic ducks and, like, <laughs> having weird traps and umbrellas that shoot things and, like, cool stuff like that, by all means, I'm in for it. But if they want to just make him, like, a mob boss, we can get that. You know what I mean? If, you know, Selena Kyle is there and not necessarily Catwoman in this one, also cool. Riddler, you know, Edward Nigma, Two-Face, Harvey Dent, they both had lives before they became what they were. So, to a degree, having quote-unquote six villains, thanks to a production document, could mean that just those names popped up, Harvey Dent, Edward Nigma, those kind of things, and it's being interpreted as those are villains, you know, because it's all just like casting information and stuff. Uh -huh. It could also be casting information for later films. But it could also be, like, a super horrid mess of a bunch of villains. So, my first instinct is just that it feels like, especially it being a trilogy, they are unofficially making a movie based on a video game, based on a comic book. That'd be cool. An Arkham Asylum. That's what yeah. this scene... The fact that it's it's not just a bunch of villains, because, like, you know, that's been a thing that's been done a lot. If you look at, like, any of the frickin' Spider-Man movies, there's always, like, four frickin' villains, but there's always, like, a big-name one and a bunch of little ones that nobody actually gives a damn about, mm. right? Like, you got filler ones, like... Except where they tried to make Sandman a filler, and it was weird, but he was also the primary, and it was yeah. whatever. It was stupid. But there's usually, like, one big bad that really matters, and then, like, a bunch of little villains that don't matter. So if it was telling us that it was, like, Catwoman and also Firefly and Mad Hatter, I'd be like, okay, all three of them are about to be implemented legit. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you've got some of the biggest, most yeah. well-known, most prominent. Two-Face, yeah. That, to me, seems intentional. Not just, like, we're going to throw villains at the scene. But, like, there is an intention behind this, yeah. and it feels well, Arkham-y to me. I mean, me. the good way to go about it, you know, if you're going back and we're doing another Batman series, 
is to do it the way Sony handled Spider-Man and just don't do the origin. Dive it in, understand that everyone knows who frickin' Batman is, and just pick up the story. Just be like, here's the story. You and know that's what, I mean? what they did in the Arkham games. Yeah, and so, like, you could have an Arkham Asylum game because you wouldn't have to go through the whole, like, trouble of, like, oh, and, you know, his parents died, and he vowed for this, and now he's going here, and he's training. And we all know who Batman is. Back to Gotham, you know? You could even have, reasonably... A Batman movie with considerably, like, a considerable lack of Bruce Wayne. Like, yeah. the Batman comics don't even deal with Bruce Wayne that much anymore. No. Um, so, I don't know. I think my biggest thing, I, I'm reserving a lot of criticism for this movie. Because I, I want to believe that after, like, a handful of bombs, not, not real bombs, but, like, a handful of, like, marginal success and a handful of, like, controversial choices... And a handful of, like, awkward moments in developing their, like, movies. Right. That Warner Brothers and DC would be like, we're going to relaunch Batman. It's going to be huge. People were pissed about Affleck. He screwed us over with not wanting to do it anymore. You know what I mean? Like, all this shit. And they're like, we're going to get somebody in there who wants to freaking do it. And we're going to plan it out for three movies. And we're going to fix it. We're going to have a solid plan. It's going to be good. And we're going to make it good, and it's going to be good. And it's going to make money and, the way Nolan used to make yeah, his money. Yeah, and, and I, I would love that. And I think the only thing I'm kind of holding out hope for, the only thing I want to put into the world in hopes that the book The Secret didn't lie to me, and if I think about <laughs> it hard enough, it will come true, um, is that I really want a bat costume that's practical. Yeah, good luck with that. You know, like, I don't want the, like... Stiff neck? <laughs> well, I mean, the stiff neck, but they fixed the stiff neck eventually, but I don't want, like, the plasteel plates and the, like, real thick, muscly bits. Like, I think it would be cool, especially since Robert Pattinson is kind of a thinner, like, more lithe dude. Yeah. To have a bat suit that's a little, little bit thinner, a little bit more, like, made for somebody who, like, dives into corners and crawls through vents and, like jumps across rooftops and parkours all over the place and stuff like that and it's a little bit more based on like movement and then make batman more based on movement like give him moves that are less like big heavy hitting big dude punches and more moves that are about like kind of judo and hapkido kind of stuff you know and um well i've heard rumor that this movie is supposed to be much more noir focused than previous that would be dope but i i I would just love to see a cinematic bat suit that isn't like very combat armory yeah because like in the comics like his suit is like bulletproof and has tech in it but it's made of like a very thin like multi-woven like kevlar like fudge science tech stuff right you know so to the point where like if he gets like cut across the chest it tears like normal cloth you know and it's like thin layer of cloth and then naked bat chest it's not like big plates where he gets shot and it's like boing, you know yeah and i just think that would be cool i know he's a huge freaking dude in the comic but i think like a more reasonably sized really good at martial arts like daredevil you know like yeah. Some of the coolest parts of Daredevil was when he was just a dude in, like, a turtleneck beating the crap out of guys. That's true. Eventually, he got the, like, combat armor plates thing, but there was a point behind that because he was doing that so he could stand up to the Kingpin who could literally, like, punch a semi-truck in its balls. That is know? true. 
Good point. Mm-hmm. I think my one note into the ether is if this movie sucks and tanks and everyone hates it, stop making Batman movies and give us the rest of the freaking Bat family. Mm-hmm. There's like 90 freaking people in the Bat family. Mm-hmm. Pick somebody else. I don't care if you want to pick another Batman. There's been like three of them. Just pick somebody and go with it for the love of God. I think honestly, we just need less redux of things that have been done. There's so many like bat characters too. Yes. You know, and granted, if they do a bat trilogy, it's going to have to get to the Joker eventually. Of course, you know? we know. Yeah. <laughs> the internet was like, we need to get Dave Bautista as Bane. And Dave Bautista's like, hell yeah. <laughs> Hit so, me up. <laughs> hopefully that will happen because damn, he'd be a good Bane. That would be awesome. Um, you know, and he'd bring that like Latin fire. Um, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at this point, I don't really know what Dave Bautista's ethnicity is. <laughs> Bautista sounds Latin. Um, <laughs> way to be racist on the podcast. Oh, God. Anyway, um, you know, we've done Catwoman. This will be the... Th- if Catwoman's in this, this will be the third iteration of Catwoman in a, Hi. like, standing series of Batman movies. If the Riddler is in this, this will be the second time. If Two-Face is in this, this will be the third time. If Penguin is in this, this will be the second time. And then you have newcomers. You have newcomers, Firefly and Mad Hatter. Awesome. You could also get Azrael in that bitch. That would be cool. You know? Yes, I'm voting for Bane, but because Bane is awesome and underused in a lot of Batman material. And, you know, even though it would be the third Bane, the first Bane doesn't count. (laughs) You know? Hey, maybe instead of going right into the money pot of Joker, give us some Red Hood. Yeah, do some Red Hood stuff. That'd By the dope. way, uh, Dave Bautista is Filipino and Greek. You never would have guessed that one. Yeah, okay. Never cool. would have guessed that one. Good on you. Neat, yeah. Cool. But yeah, Red Hood is awesome! <laughs> Come on! I agree. And yeah. it's just, there's so many characters. There's so many freaking characters in Batman, and none of them get used because everyone's just like, Harley Quinn and Joker and Batman, and that's all we care about. <laughs> Killer Croc, man. Clayface. Give me a Clayface movie. That'd be awesome. No, I'd be pretty. Okay. They could do going, it really cool now. Well, yeah, and especially if they're going, like, noir-based. That would be, dope. be so be like, dope. You know, like, Clayface or Hush would be really good for, like, a noir setting. That would be sick. You could have the first movie be, like, predominantly Batman and, like, not enough, like, not a lot of Bruce Wayne. And then do a Hush movie on the second one. So we're, like, thrown into the second movie with what we know about the series. But now it's pretty much all about Bruce Wayne. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that would be cool. That would be really cool. Anyway, so... So that wraps us up for this week. We have laughed. We have pouted. We have been a teensy bit racist and maybe a teensy bit too rude to Rob Liefeld. But hey, that's life. He was rude to us. (laughs) That's life. You know, sometimes you wake up and you're in a good mood. Sometimes you wake up and you're a little accidentally racist. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Latin listener. My so bad. if uh if you want more cover me, you can come and find us. If you're not fucking sick of us, 
You can find us all over the place. We're, we're like Facebook. roaches. <laughs> oh, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter at Cover Me Podcast. You can find all the different ways you can listen to us, as well as all of our merch at CoverBePodcast.com. You can follow Chris and I on Instagram. Hell Eventually, yeah. I'm going to be making me some Time Police costume because that's going to be dope. Yeah. Um, Eventually, I'm just going to start posting nudes. That's how you get banned on Instagram. You slip one nip and you are axed, You are dude. gone, yeah. You are gone. Anyway, uh, we appreciate you guys for stopping in and listening, and we will catch you on the next episode of Cover B. Have a good night, y'all. Bye, guys.